Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie. Today's guest is also somebody I connected with through this tribe called the Alchemy Tribe and uh, just an amazing network of people that I really got to talk to and, and got to know in, in a very small capacity. But I'm hoping through these conversations, I get to hear more about their journey and, and really getting people on from all walks of life. Today, I have Eddie Powell on the show. Eddie is an occupational therapist, a trainer, consultant, and entrepreneur from Houston, Texas. Eddie specializes actually in neuromuscular and orthopedic rehabilitation. So uh, sounds extremely complex. I'm hoping that he's going to give us more clarity about this. Um, and he was named the top 100 occupational therapist in Texas in 2018. He has been solely, you know, really really driving and honing this this message in of helping people and especially doing this online as well as in person and i think that's 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 really interesting and creating and focusing on on building this brand and um yeah i mean i i'm really curious to hear about his story and and why he does what he does and how he gets to help people and i hope that you enjoy this conversation so i just want to welcome eddie to the show so welcome, Eddie, to Unplug with Annie. Thank you so much for being part of this. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And you, you're doing so many things, which is why I definitely wanted you on this series. But if you can firstly tell us a little bit about what your daily routine is and, and what being an occupational therapist involves. Oh, wow. Uh, let's see. Daily routine, first off, I should admit that I've been terrible at this until recently. Um, I think I've uh, fallen into the, the the pattern of kind of trying to do things for others as opposed to putting myself first. So now that I've kind of uh, said no to a bunch of other things, I'm starting the day with one hour of sauna with an audio book. And then I make sure to drink an enormous glass of water with this kind of elixir in it just to make sure I'm hydrated. Mm -hmm. And then in addition to that, um, I kind of listen to money mindset uh Taoist kind of eastern philosophy principles while i'm in the sauna just so i feel like i'm killing two birds with one stone mm -hmm. and then i start with a uh, daily gratitude has a uh, pomodoro circle so you can itemize how much allocated time you want to do for just up to three tasks per day and then uh, i purposely have started only to see clients at 10 a.m that way I set the first part of my day to just only dedicate it to me, some self-care, some movement. Um, I also do like some percussive therapy just to stay loose um, because I know if I don't do it before I start seeing all my clients, I really won't uh, mm -hmm. set the tone for the day. So I've learned the hard way to try to kind of put myself first. Wow, that's great. That's that's such a great way to start your day. Um, that's amazing because I'm 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 asking people quite a bit, and I will ask you later on what what you're actually most grateful for because that's a big thing that I I enjoy talking about gratitude. But so for for the audience, then could you clarify exactly what neuromuscular orthopedic rehabilitation involves? Because that's a big sure. word, and and you're the specialist. <laughs> Um, well, essentially, as an occupational therapist, what I do specifically is work with clients who have suffered from traumatic brain injury, stroke, um, sometimes spinal cord injury. I kind of lump all of those into neuromuscular re-education. 
and then orthopedic, that would be two separate things. So orthopedic is just like hip fracture, knee fracture, joint replacements, things of that nature. Um, I work with all sorts of patient populations from young adults, teens, but most of my clientele right now for the contract work I do is for elderly population, 70 to almost 100. Um, so, but my go-to for clinical practice is uh, stroke rehabilitation. So I specialize with people who have, um, it's basically called hemiparesis, where one side of the body doesn't receive signals from the brain to the muscles. That could be either their movement nerves or their sensory nerves. So I help them uh, align their structures properly so they can have a solid foundation on which to build upon. Um, a lot of people get what's known as a tone. So their body gets like all tight and they can't move properly. And yeah. it's because the brain is sending overactive signals to those muscles to turn on. Mm -hmm. So I specialize in correcting all of that, building a solid foundation. And then from there, giving them ample opportunity to relearn how to, to move again and um, neuromuscular um, I guess it would be defined as the signal from the brain being sent to your muscle and there's also uh, pathways that go to and from so mm -hmm. first off muscularly I correct all the skeletal muscular issues and then from there we worked on retraining the brain to learn movement and then the orthopedic is pretty straightforward they have a joint issue yeah, uh, we reduce the inflammation, we do the range of motion, we do all sorts of modalities and fancy gadgets to reduce their pain and shock their muscles, all sorts of things, and then slowly progress them to functional movement patterns. And uh, the goal is to have them not need me in the shortest amount of time as possible. So that's pretty and, much what I do. And you do this all under one roof? Well, I had my own private practice, but I was never there because so many of my clients, uh, they're busy on the go and they had gyms in their facilities. Mm -hmm. So um, instead of wasting all the money on rent and all that stuff, I decided to close it and just visit them at their homes. And okay. funny enough, around that time when I started doing that, um, I started getting direct messages on Instagram for people to, hey, can you make me a video to rehabilitate this? And once I got about five or 10 of those, I realized I don't really need an office anymore. If mm. I do, it's mainly to shoot content. So I've uh, pushed that to the side and try to delve only in the digital space now. And is this something you were always passionate about? Like, did you have a very clear vision that this is what you wanted to do? For therapy, you mean? Yes. Uh, no, I would say up until the last year of college, I, I studied exercise science and health while I was in undergraduate school. And initially I thought I wanted to be a trainer because I grew up playing sports and I always wanted to work with athletes. But to be quite frank, I thought that maybe that would get a little boring. Mm -hmm. And I went to visit a couple of the medical schools because I was considering uh, going to medical school as well. And when I went to one open house at a University of Texas medical branch in Galveston, um, just the presentation they gave for OT, it seemed to really lend itself to my personality. So I I just looked up that day what I need to do. I said, I can do that. Applied and got into it. So I kind of, I won't say stumbled into it. I think it was uh, almost kind of meant to be just kind of fit my, my personality. So in hindsight, I see that. But at the time, I didn't have any idea. Yeah. And, and your philosophy talks about breaking, breaking away from conventional standards. So what is, what is the approach that you take when you work with clients? It's completely different. First of all, I don't work inside the traditional medical model of like taking insurance or anything of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's only on a cash basis and I narrow it to, I do orthopedic, I do neuromuscular and I do functional movement. I do those three things. So it's completely outside of the model. If I were to work at a hospital, which I've done, um, you're really boxed in and what you can and can't do as a clinician. They kind of have literally check boxes of things that you have to do. And I remember feeling so stifled and controlled that I had the talent and the skill set to help this person, but I was relegated by my, my facility or my boss had not worked on those things. And that honestly, it made me really upset and sick to my stomach. So even though I was the first job I took was a very prestigious um, neuromuscular brain facility, I decided to quit in five months. And then um, I started a contracting company with my friend. So we just called all the hospitals and said, we provide therapy. Um, we'll bring the therapist to you. Mm-hmm. We'll make negotiate the contracts and it's all fee for service. You pay us directly and then we'll um, staff your hospital. So in doing that, I pursued a number of uh, kind of advanced certifications for those specific things. And the more I pursued that, I realized that it kind of pushed me out of the traditional way even more. Mm -hmm. So after doing the company with my friend for about three years, I decided to quit and start my own thing, uh, which is what I'm doing now, but I'm shifting out of that well as I evolve and grow, so. Yeah. It's completely outside of the, the traditional model. It's fee-for-service. I walk into a client's room. I say, what's your problem? What were you able to do prior? What do you want to do? What are the things that you'd like to do? Let me see you move. And since I've been doing it so long, I can gauge, like, you have these seven issues. If it were my family member, I would address these first three first. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we have to do it in kind of a process of delineation where there's a hierarchy of building from the foundation upwards. And if the person is in agreement with that, I say, perfect. You get to choose a package. You can pay as you go, or you can pay up front for a discount for either 20 sessions or 40 sessions. And then I dictate all the notes on my phone. I video record them on a GoPro and I save them on my cloud. So it's completely different than what you would find. Yeah. And do you, do you find people are very responsive in, in the process of being rehabilitated because that must be a really challenging, um, process to go through but of course I'm sure it takes an ample degree of time to really see benefits as with anything you know even when you're sort of taking up something new whether it's a sport or yoga or whatever it is to like really see the body change and and um and see the benefits and reap the benefits it takes a long time so would you say that's the case with rehab and are people how, how, how do, you, do you find the response from clients when you're taking them through this process? Uh, it's funny you ask that because I just had to let go of a client who had really, really high expectations for their, their father had a stroke about two months ago. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, we're not seeing the rapid results. And I say, you know, that, that's on me because I, apparently I didn't do a good enough job setting the expectations of what's happening. In your specific case, this is what your father is dealing with. It's going to take, uh, I can't tell you how much time it's going to take because mm. there's so many degrees of factors that interplay. His volition, his willingness to want to participate, uh, the family support, um, the follow through on what we're doing. So it really depends on a case by case basis. I've, I can be pretty blunt in the, the interaction process because I think it saves a lot of time and energy. So I say, yeah. 
this is what you're dealing with. If you're not, especially for stroke clients, I'm saying, this is where you are. I don't know if anyone else has told you, but this is all this, the factors that you need to overcome in order to reach the goal that you want for yourself. In my experience, I think it will take about this amount of time. And these are the things that I recommend. So um, at any point you feel that this isn't something that you want to do, then by all means, let me know. But it's, it's really a case-by-case -case basis because every stroke is different. Every neurological assault is different. Every orthopedic condition. Um, I've seen some people I've worked with after a total hip replacement, they can walk the day after surgery. We do about a few weeks of very, very basic things, and I teach them some movements, and they're good to go. And then I see other people with the same exact thing, and it takes a year plus. So there are a number of variables that fall into to the effective duration of that. And how much do you think um, of the recovery process is affected by the, the mindset that one has? Because there's been studies to show that, you know, just a simple change in whether, you're, whether you have a positive outlook or, or positive expectations versus negative expectations, it can really change the healing process of your body. Would you agree with that? I think it's almost 100% mindset. Um, you wow. can just see it in the person's uh, behavior, their body language, if they're really attentive, if there's some emotional connection between, I mean, I have to drop pretty heavy stuff on people sometimes, you know? So if I just see like, hey man, you, the left side of your body doesn't work. You're having difficulty swallowing, speaking. You have all these tone issues where you're curled up. If you don't correct them, it's going to get worse. I have to say all that as honestly and as, uh, succinctly as possible so mm -hmm. if at any point I feel like they're that's going over their head or they're not ready to receive that or they can't understand the gravity or the amount of work they will take then I tell them in the moment you know this is a, a decision you you can get better but you have to do x y and z in order to make that happen you have to be diligent you have to be consistent and persistent and more importantly you have to be really intentional about what we're doing because the details of Every, all the innovations that we're um, utilizing, um, they really, really matter. So I can come and work with you for X amount of time, but if you do some other things that will undo that work, then we're, we're just wasting each other's time, and I, I would rather uh, hand you off to someone that mm -hmm. I know in the field. So. And do you find it difficult to disconnect when you're home? Do you carry that? So how, how does one disconnect with all of that? Because I'm yeah. sure the process is challenging. No, I don't find it difficult. I don't know why. For whatever, for whatever reason, I've always, from the day I started, um, wow. I can shut it off pretty well. I will say the very first job I had, um, there were some really heartbreaking um, brain injuries there. And I would come home and uh, the person I was dating at the time, you know, tell them all these stories. And I realized like, oh, wow, this is weighing really heavy on my subconscious mm. mind. Like I feel it. But now that I'm older and have more experience, I realize it was more so the environment of feeling constrained in my work that really magnified that. Mm. I feel like if I was doing it the way I'm doing now, uh, that would have been much easier to uh, disconnect because while I'm there, I'm in the moment, I'm focusing on what I'm doing and building that rapport uh, with the person. And then when it's time to go, um, yeah. when I get home, I, I shower and I do my thing and I, yeah. I, 
I upload all my notes on my phone in real time. So when I get home, I can just focus on other stuff. Detach, yeah. And, and, and starting off this business to begin with, I mean, as starting off any business is challenging, but is there any particular time that you faced um, some kind of adversity or certain challenges <laughs> in setting up the business, which, which are really something where if, if someone was to start something up from scratch right now, you would sort of, warn them against or you know give them advice for that particular time something that stands out to you um let's see i started that business in 2010 and it's 2019 so i'm on my second one but i'm about to close it honestly i would say if you a lot of people in in, in my case i didn't know exactly what i wanted i just knew what i did not want mm -hmm. <laughs> and i think that's a really good place to start Mm -hmm. And if you, I think a really good place to start is knowing what you don't want and then realizing what your value is. I realized the skill set that I had, even though I was an early practitioner, um, kind of surpassed some of my peers, even though they had been in the game for quite a while. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm not being paid properly for, mm -hmm. for the service I'm delivering. And there's a business out there that's making more than me. And technically, I'm, I'm pretty much doing all the work. Mm -hmm. So I would know. I would want to say, what is your value compared to the market? And the struggles that I have found along the way were not being able to replicate myself and to develop systems that would allow me to be as efficient as possible and create additional revenue streams that will allow me to scale the business properly. Because mm -hmm. I learned the hard way. Essentially, I was self-employed, but I wasn't scaling a true business. I was the business. So if I wasn't working, I wasn't get paid. Yeah. I, I tried you know, starting at a certain uh, amount per hour and nearly quadrupling that amount to now, but you still fall into the same trap of like, I show up, I get paid, yeah. I show up, I get paid. So I think if you would have the luxury of having the foresight of kind of stepping back, having an aerial view and saying, what is my value? What is it that I don't want? And now what do I want to create? Because no matter how well you think you have that rudimentary ideation of what you want to do it's always going to be evolving because you're constantly evolving as a person and with all your experience so uh, mm -hmm. if you have the luxury of having a coach or a mentor that can kind of guide you through the process that will save you years and thousands and thousands of dollars so um, mm -hmm. I'm sure you can attest to that with some of the people we, we know through the Instagram world and all that so. yeah of course true true and so I mean, it's 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 hard because what you do, like so much, so much of it is in contact with people as well, and and close contact. And I know that you're you also work digitally. As are you working online as a coach as well at the at the same time currently? Well, I, in a matter of speaking, I do it for social media consulting because through all this stuff, I took a lot of digital courses and got good at growing different kind of accounts. Mm -hmm. therapy accounts mindset accounts motivational accounts kind of personal development and then i would also develop fitness fan pages where i would shout people out and help them grow organically so since i fell in love with that it kind of pulled me away from therapy and i got really really interested in it so then i started consulting people on how to do that mm -hmm. um i fell so much in love with it that i got away from doing digital content for my therapy clients so to be honest, that's what I'm kind of phasing out of. I've had my selective clients in contracts with companies that I work with, mm -hmm. but now it's like starting from scratch, closing my second therapy company, 
starting a personal development mindset brand that incorporates uh, business coaching, uh, movement mindset, and the mastery of money. Because mm -hmm. I, I realized the hard way that a uh, linear income just is not is not as powerful as residual. So okay. if I can help any other person avoid the same mistakes, especially clinicians, oh man, that would be a dream job. So that's what I'm focusing on right now. Yeah, and, and do you find it at, at this point, do you feel like you get used to, as an entrepreneur, you get used to the idea of starting something and stopping and essentially like failing again and again to get better? Um, do you find that's an integral part of the process? And does it, does it get any easier? Are you at that point now where like you do, if you do have to start something up from scratch, you're, you're, you're pretty confident, you know what you're doing and does it get better or does it actually get harder? Well, I like to say that I embrace failing forward. I realize that uh, you have to take action and the answers are only revealed through action. So it's not really failing if you're trying. Yeah. And it, it calms me now that I know that I don't need to rush. It's mm -hmm. more about being intentional, aligning with myself with uh, like minds and hearts that kind of view things in the same emotional, spiritual, and cognitive way that I do. And as long as I'm doing that and constantly creating on a daily basis, um, there is no set point in which where I'll get and say, the business or myself as a person, I've made it. This is a constant evolution and seeing if I can put myself in a position to be of service along the way. And then mm -hmm. I feel like if I do that, all the unnecessary things will fall away and it will make the circle of uh people and energy and vibes much more small but yeah. that will that will be more impactful which is what i'm more focused on now it's not about moving quickly it's about moving intentionally and trusting that uh all the opportunities that are meant for me are gonna mm. cross my path and so far that's been working so it, it leaves me at peace yeah and how important do you think passion is when you're when you're starting out something new and you're, you're trying to turn or you're trying to think of a business idea because that there are theories which suggest that you don't necessarily have to be passionate about the business that you start you just need to want to maybe make money and that should be the goal and there's other people who argue otherwise that no there needs to be a kind of bigger purpose if you like to what you choose so which 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 one would you agree with well, like uh, I'm sure you've heard Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, the starting mm -hmm. point of all achievement is burning desire. So I think you kind of need that. I don't know mm -hmm. if you want to equate the word desire and passion, but I yeah. really feel like you have to have some sort of emotional connection that grounds you and you don't absolutely know where that's going. You just have this kind of home, mm -hmm. but it's more of like a concentric circle that kind of shifts from side to side. You're vacillating from this place of uh, service. Mm -hmm. And then from there, that propels you. And as you're moving forward, you can start to say no and yes and attract the things that you need to just continue that journey. And it's going to continue to evolve mm -hmm. as you evolve. So um, I wouldn't say passion, but I would say having a desire to, for me, it's kind of like, it sounds kind of corny, but falling in the way, like uh, I'm very much a fan of uh, the Tao. Are you familiar with the Tao Te Ching? Yes, a, a, a little bit, not not fully, but yes, I have an understanding. So, essentially, it's like a walking within the way, trusting in the way things are, not trying to make them out, 
trying trying to make them out to more than what it is accepting mm-hmm. them for they are and always uh tempering the ego and trying to better yourself so i feel like if you do that and you're putting yourself in a position where you're accumulating these skills and assets and relationships that you can serve other people then you're you're going to be successful and that definition of success uh varies from person to person i know in myself that is change almost completely uh yeah even within the last two years or so so yeah I don't know if that really answers your question but I do yeah. think a burning desire is uh, yeah absolutely essential because otherwise you'll quit and you'll be wise to quit because everything <laughs> that's kind of pushing you forward True. I'm a fan of quitting if it's not aligned with what you're doing I, yeah. I quit things that aren't aligned with me instantaneously yeah that, that I mean that that's great to have like the discernment to do that as well because I think sometimes you get really attached to things you're passionate about and even as an actor like I know that you know sometimes you just want to do something but then you're unable to really see um yeah see all the other factors which which really affect decision making so I think that's that's a great quality and do you feel that that being able to to sustain a, a more balanced lifestyle as an entrepreneur gets gets better as you go along and you learn that because a lot of entrepreneurs as well at least when you're starting or a startup situation you know you really burn yourself out trying to do everything yourself and um reaching a point where you understand delegation do you feel you're at that space right now uh, absolutely um yeah. I, I fell into that trap of trying to do everything and I realized it was ego, lack of trust, um, not wanting to say like, here, I allow you to do this. Yeah. That's what true creatives do. Um, mm-hmm. They delegate tasks to other people and there's multiple levels of that we could go down at another time. But yeah, um, the balance I've noticed now, like now that I've slowed down to put my health first, focus on getting sleep, getting movement, and knowing that in my next phase, it's getting back to really focusing on my health that will exponentially help me in my business. So it's really about like slowing down to speed up. Mm-hmm. And in the process of slowing down is uh, putting myself first in terms of uh, movement, recovery, mindset, being grateful each day for all the gifts and relationships that I have. And uh, not just like, oh, I'm journaling, I'm meditating, but like really on a day-to-day uh, basis multiple times throughout the day and be like oh wow this is I get to do what I want I get to help people I get to pay get paid pretty well to do it I get to you know be on podcasts with with nice people yeah all those things like that really give perspective like you know what am I really complaining about so Mm -hmm. last year I really got away from that just burning the candle on both ends I had a tumor removed from my abdomen which I believe more than likely had a lot to do with that that lack of self-care over the last decade or so. So now I'm really grateful that all that's behind me and I can kind of move forward and focus on mindset, health, gratitude, and just crushing whatever it is that I want to do. Yeah, that's awesome. It has been so great to chat with you. I just want to wind up by doing this quick fun round, but um, just a few questions then. What is your favorite thing to do on a day off when when you're not working? If there's a day when you're not working. <laughs> right, right now, there's no real day. Um, weekends every now and then. But it yeah. sounds weird. It's uh, connecting with the mentor because it's been okay. very, very fruitful, very humbling. 
and uh, I see the the connection there mm. and the guidance. I really appreciate it, and I can see that it's infiltrating my creative process. So on my off days, it's uh, that's probably my favorite thing to do to have that accountability and to see the overall vision taking form without having to rush. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know you mentioned your morning routine a little bit. Would you say that's the one thing I was going to ask you, uh, one thing that you do do every day for your own, you know, uh, like mental peace or, you know, mindfulness, mm -hmm. or would that be your, your everyday thing? Yeah, I think there's definitely uh, some virtue in being a little selfish. So now I really enjoy the audio books. I put the earplugs in, get in the sauna and just relax. As soon as I get out, I do vibration therapy all over me just to get loose. A little bit of movement, rehydration, journaling and all that, and then set the intention for the day. So, Great, great. And what, what's next on the agenda? What is something that we can potentially look forward to or the next thing that you would like to do? Well, the next thing I'm working on building is a mastermind team. It's a personal development brand that focuses on the mastery of mindset, the mastery of money. Uh, the mastery of movement and the mastery of self. I feel like all those kind of four components are essential for personal development as well as entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And that kind of forces me to walk the walk and uh, kind of magnetize myself to the people who are aligned with kind of those uh, interests as well. So right now I'm working on starting Instagram accounts from scratch for those. And I purposely deleted several accounts that accumulated to well over 100,000 just to focus on this and deter all the distractions that are taking me away from the central goal, which is to help as many people possible, like escape the rat race and the conventional status quo of, uh, of how we do this entrepreneurial uh, journey. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, um, complete the sentence. I love being an entrepreneur because I get to be creative on a daily basis. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. It was wonderful chatting with you, Eddie. Thank you so much. I will definitely be tagging you and everything when this goes up so people can get in touch with you if they have any questions. But um, thank you very much for doing this. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm honored and I look forward to perhaps doing it another time. Great. All right. Ciao with you later. And that was the end of another episode on the Elevation series. I'm super excited about next Sunday. Do stay tuned. And for all updates regarding the podcast Unplug with Annie, do follow and like the page Unplug with Annie on Instagram and Facebook. We're now on 10 platforms, including Spotify, Anchor and iTunes.